My name is Rachel White, and people call me the Skeptical Showman. They say it like it's a contradiction, but it's not. For more than a decade, I've been researching and building tools for the spiritually homeless. You know, the curious but critical thinking people that, like me, have had a tough time navigating a landscape of gurus and grifters and crystal hippie people. Searching for a way to fill what Neil Gaiman called that God-shaped hole. All while, of course, not getting taken. As the host of the Skeptical Shaman podcast, I want to help us all develop a map of this confusing terrain. I'm going to talk to everybody. The curious, the skeptical, the cynical, and yes, even the true believers. Together we can safely explore the world of Wu and get closer to some meaningful existential truths. This is the Skeptical Shaman. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of the Skeptical Shaman podcast. I am your host, Rachel White, owner of Totem Readings, and I have a very fun, cool, exciting guest today. Her name is Britt. I'm going to let her introduce herself but uh, in more detail, but my little note about Britt is that she's the friendliest, funniest, most engaging, and normal witch I think I've ever met in terms of a practicing witch. And I've gotten, by the way, a similar compliment or maybe observation from people about shamans before where they're like, oh, I would have never guessed. And so that's always one of those funny moments. So, Britt, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, talk about Golden Thread, your coaching and astrology practice. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. I'm super stoked to sit down and have a chat with you today. Um, I'm Britt. I'm a witch. I'm a coach. Um, I'm an astrologer. Uh, I am the owner of Golden Thread Alchemy. So uh, I do coaching with an astrology twist and enjoy doing astrology readings. Really like to, especially working with um, skeptical folks uh, who've never done astrology before, because it's always really fun to see the dots kind of connect. Uh, I'm a mom. I have three teenage sons. And uh, so that keeps my cup rather full too, uh, which also draws me to uh, working with women. So I do women's circles for the new moon every month. And uh, that's been a really awesome thing to have done for the last couple of years and just building some community and sharing witchiness in a really uh, safe container. So. And I always felt like new moons were largely ignored. I know you and I have spoken about this yes. privately before, but everything's always the full moon. I even fall into that category, but I think it's because I'm uniquely sensitive to full moon energy and I can't really be that efficient on those days or I don't get a lot of other stuff done except being with the full moon new moons i get really organized and i yeah. like the idea of using them for for setting intentions around clearing releasing reconfiguring and those things get ignored a lot in a, a woo culture that's very fixated on manifesting yes right and yeah. abundance and it's like do you have space to receive anything new what have you cleared out I think that's 100% true. And I'm similar, like with the full moon, I find the energy really intense. So it's not a time that I really want to like perform magic or do a lot. I really actually kind of like to just be with the full moon. I'll charge my crystals. But the new moon is when I really like to kind of do the work and dig in, reflect on, you know, what's happened in the last cycle, what I want to call in. Um, yeah, it's that time is a much more reflective time. And then also to be able to share with other people what's going on. It's just it really does help build build a sense of belonging in a way, which is not ever something I really knew I, I wanted or needed in my past. And um, turns out I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, I remember looking at your notes and I had sort of known this about you, but until you articulated it in writing ahead of this chat, I, I hadn't thought about it very much, which is you practice witchcraft largely alone, privately yeah. as a private practice. And I think people have the misconception that like witches always get together, you know, because they maybe they know a Wiccan or something and there's always a full moon circle. Someone always has a cat named Artemis or, you know, shit like that. Right. And also, you know, especially since moving to Austin, where I guess shamans are more social or something. Everyone's like, yeah, and do you hang out with this shaman and this shaman? I'm like, no, shamans like by definition are sort of. Uh, solo yeah. players, not antisocial, but it's just not really a group thing yeah. as much as people think. So why don't you talk a little bit about your private, like your personal spiritual practice? Because I think sometimes people think if we do this for a living and we do client work and we see them and we write on Substack and you do all those things, 
that there's not something that we are also doing ourselves where we're the client. Yeah. Um, it's probably the most important work that I do is still the work on myself, right? So taking in so much different energies in the client work or in the space that, you know, with the circles of women. And I do have some people that I, that I get together with. I have a local group that I have known for the past 20 years of mainly wise women. Um, it's a very eclectic open circle and we do celebrate the Sabbaths, but where most of my work is done, my ritual work and is, is at home. And that is, you know, not just meditation, but spell work or what am I manifesting? And I, you know, as I, as I've gotten older, I get a little bit more detailed around it. I, I do look at the hours of the day, like, all right, I want to, this is Jupiter's hour. We're going to do this on this day. In the past, I hadn't done that. I find the magic's more powerful when I take the time to really put a spell together. But every day is ritual in a way, right? Like every I have a lot of just the the certain things I do in the morning that are my morning rituals and the day feels a little bit thrown off or different if I don't do those things. Um, I luckily, because I do have three sons and a husband in a full house, have a space that I can set aside for myself where sometimes it's just sitting with a candle and, um, you know, reflecting on what's going on with my energy um, and what I want to manifest or what I want to let go of. Um, what would it be like to have, 5% more uh, patience right now. And then, you know, work. <laughs> patience happens to be a big one for me. Yeah, so. me too. That's why I, I react. I was like, oh, shit, you can do that. I should do that. <laughs> and <laughs> it's that. it's funny, you know, when you mention like this is Jupiter's hour as an example. And I do want to get into like witchcraft, the mechanics of how it works. It's obviously different for different practitioners, but some of that. But more broadly than that reminded me of something I would say when I was in corporate and I managed in particular graphic designers. And I would always say, you have to learn the rules to break the rules. The old Pablo Picasso. Oh yeah. How Aquarian of you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think like, you know, with social media, just, you know, kind of ruins everything. Don't get my husband, the chef started on food and social media, but there's this idea of like, yeah, and you could just like do this or do that or light a candle or you say this mantra. And it's like, yeah, but the the rules, ancient people did things for a reason. And when you learn systems and you get deep in your research and your learning and development in the system, it does give you tools that make things more powerful. Yes. And so why don't you talk about that a little bit and learning about witchcraft, learning, for instance, maybe some of the mechanisms of it. I know there's a calendar that's different from our modern calendar which julius caesar we have him to thank for this versus what came before so talk a little bit about maybe the rules but also how you how you either break them or don't yeah it, interestingly enough what actually drew me to witchcraft is um is the ability to not have too many rules like there are the, some rules that you can follow but you don't have to follow them which i'd always was challenged with with other religions or other faiths of like do it this way or you're going to hell or you do it this way or or it's not going to work or you're not going to you can't speak with God or whatever that is. Um, and I, I spent years looking for what felt right and what felt like it really resonated with me. Um, and when I came upon paganism, it took me a long time to actually even say which um, because I that word felt so um, demonized, I guess, in a way. Very and, loaded. Very loaded. Yes. And um, especially when I was starting to like, you know, kind of come out of the broom closet, it was like, oh, I'm a pagan. Um, I am a pagan, um, but I very much have embraced the word witch. I didn't realize or I didn't embrace in my early practice how much witchcraft um, and paganism is, you know, tied in with astrology. And so as I've taken my astrology studies so much further, I was like, oh, I was missing this huge chunk. And now things feel more full circle, more powerful. Um, and yeah, so when you, as I was doing my research, you start to look at like all the different holidays and how we've Christianized so many of our holidays that whether, you know, when you're trying to convert a people out of being pagan, it's very easy to be like, oh, look, you celebrate the solstice at this time. Oh, look. We'll make Christmas here. <laughs> and, uh, well, it's funny you bring up Christmas. So I believe it or not, I have a good chunk of clients that are Christian, like very devout yeah. Christians. And you would think that that's an oxymoron, but it's it's not. They're open minded. And so am I. Right. Yep. 
But where it gets a little hairy sometimes is I'll say, well, you know, it's Yule. Yeah. And Yule involves this Christmas tree. Yeah. And <laughs> Santa is a very shamanic figure. Yes. Reindeer, like shamans in Russia will take mushrooms and they sacrifice a reindeer to ride it up to the upper worlds at midnight and all this. It, it's not a one-to-one, obviously, just like no. the thing is, but it's it's pretty on point. And then you also look at the story of Odin, the hanged man, yes. the inspiration of the hanged man tarot, and how he was betrayed by a brother, speared through the rib, just like the spear of destiny in, in Catholicism, and hung upside down, and on the third day rose as a, as a god, having yep. sacrifice. So, you know... It's it's an old story. And it's here's the other thing in spirit of learn the rules to break the rules. I don't think it would take anything away from a Christian to know that. Yeah. If anything, it deepens it a bit. I, I would think that's how I feel. That's how I feel as well. And, you know, as I mentioned before we started is sometimes I forget that um, because I'm so surrounded with like, whether it's algorithms or whatnot, my world is very witchy. And sometimes I forget that other people aren't as open-minded because I think of myself as open-minded. I don't necessarily have to agree with what is being said, but as a witch, I know in a lot of people don't always agree with my point of view, but I do forget sometimes that that can, how offended people can get. And then it, I'm somewhat taken aback, like, don't you want to know more? And um, so that's always a reality check for me. That said, I have a fair amount of Christian clients as well, and a, a few that have, um, I say, ventured not from their faith, but reevaluated some things about just always just identifying as, oh, I'm Christian, and not really even probably knowing what that meant in a lot of cases. Just that was part of what they considered themselves. So I always enjoy that, just digging and learning more, like that there's other things. Christianity is in its core, the most mystical religion. It really is. It, <laughs> it is. It's all of it. It's crazy. It's it's all magic and, yep. and things. And it's funny. I have a friend. Um, and my my joke is always I'm like the spiritual middle sex. I'm like that politically too, where everybody sees in me what they are. They think that I'm that. Yeah. And and that's given me a unique vantage point. Even being a shaman, the way people are just, they'll disclose and they just talk as though they're with one of their own. And I have a really good friend. He's an, he's a Mormon, devout, devout Christian, but also it has given up on much of what he was raised in, in Mormonism. So he was in a plural marriage. He won a court case, though, and all the way up to the Supreme Court. And he's the reason Utah has bigamy laws, or rather anti-bigamy laws. So wow. he won his case. He got fired as a sheriff when they found out he had three wives. But there was wow. no law against it at the time. By the way, since then, he will tell you he didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. He doesn't agree with it. He got married after that to one woman. Love of his life. You know, he misses her every day because she passed away. So he's an interesting figure. But he'll, he'll, he said to me once, he goes, some of my favorite people are pagan. And I go, yeah, I know. And he goes, well, they're they're nice. Like they're nice. <laughs> they they sort of behave the way Christians think they are. Like the idea of the Christian thing to do, leaving people alone, being charitable, taking care of the environment of animals, being really polite, open-minded. Yep. A pagan will never get in your face about your religious beliefs because yep. they allow for a plurality of gods and beings. So to them, it's not it's fine, you know, like whatever your thing is. Yeah, and they kind of just keep to themselves for the most part. And yeah. they're very community oriented. And I thought, you know, that's a really good observation. I, of course, agreed with him, but I was I was happily surprised that he had this warm feeling towards pagans. That is, it is nice. I know some wonderful Christians that actually live that, that, that way, very open and loving and giving and all the things that I, you know, originally always associated with Christianity. And I do believe in our modern times, what we see a lot of is not what it really is. It's and so, um, but yeah, and part of like what you were saying, like it, part of the Wiccan read, and I'm not Wiccan, but is you know, um, and it harm none, do what you will, and um, it's hard not to inflict harm at some points, right? But when you come with good intention and integrity, um, it really is like do what you will, um, live the way that you know. I always feel like. I get to live in a way where if I can go to sleep at night, and it was actually a Christian that said this to my mother many, many years ago, if you can go to bed at night, you can look yourself in the mirror and you can go to bed with yourself each night and you are in, then you're in the right space. Then you are good. 
um, whether you're good with God or you're good with whatever. And that's how I like to look at life um, is that, you know, I feel like I have integrity and um, I don't need somebody else to tell me how I should live. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. And <laughs> one of the interesting side effects of developing your own spiritual practice, and I do want to get into witchcraft, Wicca, paganism yeah. with you, just as a one-on-one a primer for everybody yeah. listening to this. These are terms we hear, but I don't know that anyone ever like delineates them clearly for people. Um, but I do think it expands, you know, just being spiritual, whatever that looks like, it will expand your curiosity and your open-mindedness. I find the more I practice personally, like with shamanism, exploring spirituality, the less cognitive dissonance I tend to have in my life. hundred percent. And frankly, the less fucks I give. Honestly, too. <laughs> like, I've got my own, like, interesting bag of crazy over here that I'm getting into and I don't have a lot of time or energy to manage everybody else's and in shamanism or any you know paganism I'm sure this is the case but the iterations or manifestations of the divine are so infinite that like yeah. I'm just happy that you that you have one and yeah. good for you and I don't see them as mutually exclusive and I just think the human mind and consciousness is so interesting and everyone's iteration of how they perceive it is going to be a little different right uh, yep 100 i agree so Britt, will you help all of us with witchcraft wicca paganism because i will differentiate and i do this all the time working in corporate real estate i'd hear people say really uh, aggressively ignorant things like well witches worship satan and i would have to intervene even though i'm not a practicing witch i don't i, I don't self-id that way but there are there are witches that are in like that practice black magic and they're uh -huh. in covens. I've met a few. Yep. Uh, not a huge fan of that energy or that vibe. Then you also have like voodoo priests and priestesses and people conflate that which with witchcraft. It's a totally different religion from Western Africa for the most yep. part. And they, they hit it within Catholicism to survive slavery. Now with white witchcraft, Wicca, paganism, how do you just broad brush strokes define those six for people? So within, you know, there's always these funny little quizzes, places, what kind of witch are you? Are you a kitchen witch? Are you a this? Are you a that? And um, yeah. so, and again, I don't like being put in a box. So I, if I'm to identify something, it's as an eclectic witch, which means like, you know, I kind of take from every, like very curious. And if that really resonates, something resonates with me, I bring that into my practice, which means um, being of, you know, a lot of Scandinavian background, uh, Norse paganism has always played a large role in, in just in my beliefs. My 17 year old is definitely identifies as a Norse pagan. So that's a huge part of what, of what we are and who we are. Um, I would, I don't enjoy really organized religions and Wicca and, um, and again, people can have different, definitely have yeah. differing opinions on this. I find it just a little bit too organized for me. I've never been into high magic or ceremonial magic. That just doesn't fit. That's I could I could go to mass. <laughs> it's, it's a very similar yeah. thing. Um, so for Billy, you, you said you're an eclectic witch. I think I might be an eclectic shaman, and I never had words for that before because people yeah. are like, "Yeah, but you you study Kabbalah." I'm like, "Yeah, hard." Like yeah. I learned Hebrew, but it's a tool that resonated. A tool that resonates, right? Yeah. Yes, you bring it in. Um, and so, yeah, so, uh, you know, Wiccan is, is a religion in a way. Witchcraft is not a religion. Witchcraft is a practice. Um, and it's, it's like, it's an animism. Like every animism, everything has a spirit, has a, um, has a soul. And we live by that, like, and it harm none, do what you will. There is no Satan in my, in my practice. There is no, there's, it's not so much as a good and evil, not that I don't believe that good and evil exist. I do um, as energies or as entities, but it's, it's, it's not a, a Satan worship thing. And that just got very twisted over the years, especially in the late eighties of like the whole, you know, this, everything was satanic. And um, did you ever see Penny Dreadful? On oh Yeah. So, remember, and it was brilliant, Patty Lapone as the hedge witch in Scotland, who's doing kitchen witchery and helping women with female health issues. And yep. She's a good witch. She gathers herbs and all these things. And then the actual devil worshiping witch winds all the villagers up yep. <laughs> to go get the good witch telling them she's a bad witch. And I thought, what a perfect explanation. Yeah, it actually is. It is what happened during the witch trials in Salem. 
it's absolutely what happened in the Inquisition was probably there was a powerful group or set of individuals that were positive energies that were forces for good that yep. somebody had to snuff out. Yeah. Yeah. And I've spent a lot of time recently looking at, um, you know, the witch trials um, and the the witch craze. Like, so going back and trying to just kind of understand if it's possible to understand it. It's not really. It's 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 really infuriating. Social contagion and moral panic. Yes. And it went on for centuries and it's still going on. Just it's in some forms changed and in some places hasn't changed. Um, there are still witch hunts in Africa. It's uh, it's just oh, some literal ones. Yeah. Literal. Them on social media here. They dress up a little differently and cloak themselves in like thought purity. Yes. Which is a very puritanical uh, yeah. element and it's funny uh, there are two books that i i'm reading one and i purchased the other where the titles are basically the new puritans like the riffs on that concept they're both written by openly gay men um, <laughs> who were like philosophy majors and in academia and they you know they're they're very liberal for obvious reasons they're happy that they have equal human rights and they're not being harassed but now they're both kind of like you know, like, can we pump the brakes a little? Because now it's now we might be becoming a little intense and in telling other people how to live. And it, it's just funny seeing that warning about this could be the new Puritanism. And one of the authors demonstrates that in our culture, these people who police each other and their thoughts and their posts and all the shit on social media, they don't have a sense of humor. He goes, the Puritans didn't laugh at anything. It was this idea of being pure. Are you the most pure in your group? Or do you, is it the sin of pride? Because you might have an independent thought. It's, <laughs> it's really kind of creepy reading it. It is creepy. It is. Um, and it is, it's just interesting. It's just, you know, looking at, you know, when you mentioned like psychology or just looking at societal, like, like what becomes the norm or how we start to spiral into these things. And you look back, so they kind of look at like, the witch wound. And I um, just read a book, um, Healing the Witch Wound, and her name's Celeste. I follow her on Instagram. Um, oh, I know who that is. Yeah. Another I'm, one of her books. Yeah. And um, it was really very thought provoking, which led me down the rabbit hole of going further into, you know, more witch trials and uh, the craze. And, but really, you know, it starts as like, you know, with feudalism and like separating, like, hey, no more common space. Like, you know, here, we're, we're sectioning this off. And, but then, you know, bring in the medical field and it's like this demonization of women and how we've kind of carried that through generationally, which, you know, leads to the this whole concept of being out of the broom closet or for myself, even embracing the term witch and even having, I know my stepfather at one point said, why would you call yourself pagan or witch? He's like, that's just such a negative thing. And I was like, because it's not. And I get to take that back. I get to I get to own that and it doesn't have to be sensationalized or make other people uncomfortable. And if it does, that's their thing, not mine. But it took a long time to do that. And living outside of the broom closet um, evolved over time as far as like many years, you couldn't, you come in my house, you probably wouldn't know that I was a witch. Now there's literally a portrait of a witch on a stake that my friend drew, like painted in traditional tattoo art style that hangs on my wall. It's there, like, hey, <laughs> um, and my comfort level with that, like, I, it's, yeah. it's shifted so much over the years. But acknowledging that many people don't have that comfort level or that ability because of, of their lives and their families and and where they grew up. You brought that up because everybody thinks we live in the most accepting, open-minded time in human history. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, and this is not a self-fabricated fear. I've been told verbatim by powerful people in my former industry, you do not talk about this. Yeah. So and so heard that you do this stuff. And just, you know, that's why you didn't get X, Y or Z or you're going to be on the chopping block or and I still get comments like I because I freelance and I do consulting. work, And someone will say like, yeah, they asked us if we were like working with that witch. And I'm not even a practicing witch, but it's <laughs> you can tell it's the, got the pejorative on it. It's yeah. not like, oh, that nice witch. And so we have a long way to go. And I will tell you, it's my personal bias. I'm open to feedback, by the way, anyone listening to this, that women always get the ascent of these dynamics. So it's a it's an area of spirituality, or in the case of Wicca, religion, et cetera, where women kind of dominate. There's like some women's spaces. It's this knowledge that's shared among women. Yes. And I think for that reason, it feels destabilizing to the system. And they don't like it. Yeah, I don't think the system likes it when women gather. 
Um, yeah. In fact, I mean, we stopped gathering together for a long time. And in, in fact, in our culture, I found in the corporate world, which I've been in for many, many years, that uh, taking on toxic masculine uh, characteristics is how women thought that we would get to the top. And um, instead of holistically embracing both masculine and feminine, which we both have, and then carrying through as a woman and coming to the top and bringing others along with you, it was just the opposite. I ran into a lot of like, well, I did it. You have to do it. And that's, and like, it was, it was awful. It was really gross. And it was, and I still run into that. Um, And gathering with women and breaking down those barriers because we've spent so much time breaking each other down um, and causing pain or turning each other in as a witch um, that it's hard to, to rebuild that, but it's really an amazing, an amazing thing to just have these relationships of trust and creating spaces where people can just be and feel safe and, be able to just be women together. You know, we used to spend lots of time in tents and washing our clothes by the river. Literally the washing machine came along and we stopped gathering. Well, it's it's interesting what you said too about corporate because you don't know this. It's so this is this is uncanny, but 2 days ago I sat down and I was writing out because I'm trying to do this thing where I write things out and look at them objectively to assess them so I don't fall into like, you know, thought pit holes along the way and have those problems. But all of the people in my career in corporate who really helped me and who continue to reach out and look out for me, every single one of them with one exception, and and she's only friendly with me, like she didn't actually literally help me, but she's great. They were all men. Yeah. Every one of them. And so it's now I'm a few weeks out from turning 40. And I can honestly say in the last year, only in the last year, have women that I I view as peers that are genuinely supportive and from whom I learn. And, you know, we have that symbiotic dynamic. It's only happened in the last year of my life. Wow. Yeah. And I I was friends with women and things like that. But in terms of like developing professionally, yeah, someone really giving you solid advice or saying, you know what, I'm going to go in that meeting and I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you cover. For me, that was only ever met. It is really interesting. Um, and I, I I can relate to a lot of that. I had one woman that I, well, a couple of wonderful women that I worked for, but one that really taught me what leadership was. And um, and I've taken that like just across the board with every team that I've run as well. Like you're allowed to make mistakes. I will bolster you up. Um, this is like, it's okay. Like just this wonderful energy of bringing you with her on, on the journey. And that's how I look at my team of, men and women that that worked for me or have worked for me in the past. And um, it was ap- after her, I worked for someone that was just the opposite. And it really changed my perception on what I wanted to do with my life. To be honest, I was like, oh, this isn't actually for me like this. I'm going to I'm going to switch gears. And that's what brought me to coaching and astrology is I wanted to be part of people's lives that helped them to bolster and, um, you know, make good choices and feel safe and personal development and growth and not the other where it was like, just felt like someone was looking over your shoulder all the time and that you were always um, one, one mistake away from, from getting canned or one mistake away. And that just wasn't what I wanted to do. No. And that's a lot of it. It's a lot of it. And women carry that trauma and we call it sister wounds or whatever, but it's also like, you know, I'm looking forward to this being the stage of my life where I can help contribute to less of that yeah. and also provide, you know, substantive insight or help that's like subject matter expertise versus, you know, you and I do coaching work. Yeah. But the coaching work we do is technically very specific. And, you know, I don't want to just be a brand or, you know, I see a lot of that with female leaders in the that's social right. media space. Like, Figure out what you want to talk about first. And also witchcraft, shamanism, paganism, these things can give women a lot of power back. It yes. helps them take parts of themselves back. So it's it's very, very empowering versus the whole, you know, how to do an e-commerce business, how to scale, totally. all that shit. It's totally. so saturated and funny. Yeah. Something I'm really interested in doing, and I've been I've been threatening to do this for a while, and I'm I'm getting more toward it now. Is you know, like I said, I have all sons, but um, I have a lot of nieces, and uh, there's a lot of young women in my life, 
And um, I really want to work on some sort of coursework for young teenage girls um, based around the empowerment of mythology. So Medusa, Persephone, those type of energies and using those to just really help young women. Because I didn't have that. And I spent a lot of time with, I didn't have, I have some close girlfriends, didn't have a ton of girlfriends when I was younger because there wasn't that trust there. And um, I would love to be able to try and shift some of that for the girls that are in my life now that I see are so archetypal and they're so intensely relevant and they combine energy with like a container for a concept or or an idea. And it actually brings me back to a question I was going to ask you about the name of your business, Golden Thread Alchemy. Mm -hmm. Is that the story of the Minotaur and the Labyrinth? That's the golden thread or is this a different golden thread? Well, so the golden thread comes up in so many different ways. So yes, in that story too. So um, I alchemy was a big thing for me, like taking something and in, in just in, in a philosophical way, taking something in one form and creating something new, both, you know, and just this, this transform transformative energy. Um, and as I was just like, what am I going to do this? This, this word resonates with me. I find like this alchem alchemization of things and the golden thread just kept popping up in different stories. So, um, and through my coaching school, it kept popping up because part of, uh, integral coaching, integral coaching is, is taking the is following the thread. So like with your and so that can, and then in the pi, in the sign of Pisces, which my very very bestest friend is Pisces. I know your husband's Pisces too. Um, the uh, the thread that holds the fish together is the golden thread. Okay, and, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's it. Like I actually just got goosebumps again. Like when I, I was like, that's it, golden thread alchemy. It's like what holds it together. So there's still this thread that you follow. It. And yet we have the ability to transform as well, even, you know, follow that thread back from the beginning and maybe no end, right? Like, so that was kind of what kind of came together for it. I love this idea for young women. Um, I have another client who does work with women from body image point of view, young yeah. girls. And so she's a photographer and a therapist. And she did, I, I want to say it, the name of the book is Body Beautiful. Gina, if I'm butchering that, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll fix it in the show notes. But she did a coffee table book <laughs> of all these women and no retouching and just the idea of like everyone's different and everyone's beautiful. I think the stories, the archetypal myths are so profound. You know, the ancient Greeks were brilliant culturally. Like yes. they designed as a system. It wasn't just about surviving things and being efficient. There was something bigger, bigger. going on there. And for me, you know, even the tarot deck that we created, the totem tarot deck, I wanted to bring some of those cards back to an archetype so there could be a story. So someone could maybe go online or get a book of Greek myths or Norse myths or Japanese Shinto stories and see like, oh, there's this whole rich world to this. And and that's really what I love about being a witch is that I feel really like able to explore all those different areas and all those different, like I just in my last Substack on the full moon, I had some very Artemis moments in my my weekend prior to the full moon. I loved it, by the way. <laughs> and the store, the, well, even getting those antlers was it yeah. your grandfather? It was my dad. So my dad, right. my dad was, um, uh, my dad died when he was like when he was thirty two years old, and so he, but he's has this like legend that kind of lives on up in these hills and um, in one of our barns because um, we have a, a sheep ranch. Uh, there's like just a whole beam of racks of antler racks. And um, over time I've taken them here and there and whatnot. And they're literally been up there for 40, 50 years. And so they're just covered in dust and whatever. And, but they're just, they're just there. And um, they're mostly all of his uh, from deer that he's, you know, killed over the years for our food. Like that was, so they all come from that. And um, yeah, it was really, and the the broken one was really kind of cool too. Cause I was like, ah, oh, a broken antler. This is just, I, I need this one. Like it literally was just like on the floor, like covered in dust over in the corner. And I'm like, I want this one. My aunt's like, it's broken. And I was like, it's perfect. I need this. You and didn't you have a bow and arrow and you were out in the- Yeah, I was, so I, well, and I was kind of joking, like it, I had spent all this time in the forest, literally hugging trees. Like I joked about that with some of my friends. I was like, I'm gonna go hug yeah. trees. I'm like, take pictures. No, I'm really going to hug trees because it's actually probably, you know, we joke about it. Oh, tree hugger. You know, go hug a tree, spend some time hugging a big redwood tree and tell me Isn't you don't walk away from it. Isn't that they have 
often sentient, intelligent energies like fawns. hundred uh, percent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so after spending a lot of time in the forest and just when it was just peaceful, it was just such a different world. Like you're not alone, even if you're alone, like there's always something, there's just the energy of the forest. And then coming back and my aunt was like, Hey, I found some more stuff. Cause my aunt lives at our, at our family ranch. Um, and handed me a bow that it wasn't strong, but she's like, this was your dad's. And then she's like, and this is the arrow that he shot his first deer with. And I was like, oh, yes, I'd like all this. I will take this all with me. Uh, People think that this sounds so on the nose for Sagittarius full moon, where the iconography of that zodiac sign is like a bow and arrow and things with hooves. And, you know, Artemis's animal is the deer and all this shit. But yep. this is literally what happens when you start doing this work. It is not subtle at all. Oh, no, it's not subtle. <laughs> listen and interact with it. And then it gives you more. And then it gets it gets louder and clearer. And I think people get frustrated early. Yes. Like they want it to be the bow, the arrow, the antlers on a Sag full moon from the jump. But I mean, you've been at this a while, Britt, right? Been at this a while. Um, yeah. It space in your life. I give it space. I mean, you know, through my journey um, with witchcraft, there was definitely a lot of times where it was just, it, I was practicing a lot less. I'd show up for the Sabbaths. And then I, I began to feel like, you know, I feel like I'm just showing up for, for church on Sunday. Like I'm not actually doing the work. Um, so I started to dig in more on, on getting back to my practice and, and doing the work. And it does take space and time. And um, there are so many times in life, I can say from my life, that the, the prayers that went unanswered were the best things that could have happened to me. So even with my spell work, I, I still have a faith that what is going to come is meant to come. And if it doesn't, then something else that is needed will. And oh, it, thank God I didn't get whatever on it. Seriously, there's a, there's a, a lot of that. And, um, you know, super cliche things like, you know, everything happens for a reason, which I do hate that in a sense. But I've also found um, that for me, having, you know, experienced loss really young, I, I believe it too as well, even though crappy things just happen sometimes and there's no good explanation for them. Sometimes it's just crappy. Um, people die when they're too young. They, things just don't feel like they should be right. But in the end, I have found places of growth, lessons I've learned, good things that have come. Um, losing my mom f almost five years ago, uh, deciding to get sober, uh, mainly from losing my mom and realizing that I needed to actually feel what that felt like, taking myself on a journey of mothering myself. Um, Emotional sobriety more than anything, more than, anything. more than one person. is. Yeah, yeah you're, you're sober from the substance, but the bigger thing is the emotional sobriety. Oh, yeah, the ability to, to feel and even feel the yucky parts um, that really kind of bring the practice just... It brings it to a place where I can be calm and, and not always calm. I can be a total hothead too, don't kid. But I have a place to practice to come back to where I can really feel what I'm feeling. I can work on alchemizing that. I can send that back into the earth and uh, try to find that 5% more patience on the days where I'm, I'm lacking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, walking through, like I said, mothering myself and a liberation that comes with that that I didn't expect that also comes with shame and guilt because um, I do believe I've made choices in the past five years that I may not have made if my mother was still here um, yeah. not and that really wasn't on her I think she'd be really happy but just a really interesting some reflections of how my life went a different direction and then allowed me to really embrace what the the life part of death or living to my fullest because death is one of that is that is going to happen. That is a non-negotiable. So I think people understand that in the abstract. But one of the things that, you know, practicing witchcraft or shamanism gives you is almost every day you pass things through the filter of, OK, one, I'm going to be dead. <laughs> and literally everything shifts in its position in yeah. terms of you prioritizing things. Or how you approach life and it makes life not very easy as i'm sure you know but it's like do you want to do you kind of want to pay now or later i'd rather pay now yeah and that's what this intense personal spiritual practice has given me is i'm probably not going to wake up at 60 panicked melting down that my life doesn't mean anything yes you know? yes yeah that and that's that's the hope right like that's i know that 
living every day or reflecting on like, you know, if I die tomorrow, am I going to care about this thing? No, I'm not. Oh, good. So you know what? I don't have to care about it right now, or at least not in that sense. You know, like I still, the dishes should get done, but I'm not really going to care if they sit longer. Things that used to really drive me crazy or I would allow to overwhelm me, um, they really am able to let go of a lot of things with that in mind that it really doesn't matter. Like, you know, you said something else really interesting about what you've been doing with these experiences, right? Like if your mother was still around, you would have be you would have been making different choices in the last five years. Yeah. And I just want to bring this back to the idea of alchemy, but also free will and give you credit, right? Because there's this whole toxic positivity, spiritual bypassing thing that happens in various practices where they're like, well, you just don't get that attention or bad things don't happen to you if you don't, you know, fixate on them or whatever. And the other idea of being like you don't have free will. So if you get a card reading, it's like set in stone, you know, these interesting paradoxical thoughts that happen. And yeah, shitty things happen because they're shitty. And sometimes there's no real explanation. For yep. it. It's what through free will you, Brit, chose to do in alchemizing it that has produced the positive spiritual outputs. It's not like, you know, you just happened and thank God and here's my, here are my prizes. Yep, totally. It all, it all takes work. And um, also, you know, what you just said about, uh, you know, the toxic positivity or, or even the bypassing or that like, this is just how it is. Astrology, or you could say like a lazy astrology, like you can look at it and be like, oh, well, this is just why I'm the way I am. Yeah. And I'm, I just call bullshit on that. This shows you what your, your, your astrological chart your natal chart can show you where you're very comfortable in because you're familiar with these energies but it also shows you where you have the work to do and it's doing the work that matters so like when my older son will be like i can't do that because you know i have my moon in leo and i'm like what? <laughs> it doesn't work that way that's really funny that really clever <laughs> like, like no, what your tendency is, let's talk about like what we know is real. And then let's talk about what we can work for and like how we change that. So that isn't just like part of, you know, yes, that's yeah. that's your natural way of being. That doesn't always work for you, does it? No, I know it doesn't because I'm your mother. So let's talk about some other ways that maybe you can be aware of that um, and, and where the work is. And you still have to do the work. The other sort of extreme is the not getting neurotic about self-improvement because I yes. see that too. So it's either this, okay, everything happens for a reason, live, laugh, love kind of thing. But the other side of it is this, you know, I fell off my bike today. You know, why, what did I do? Is that karma? Is that a demon? Is It's like, no, you, sometimes you fall off your goddamn bike and how exhausted to always look for meaning and every, trust me. And, and Brett, maybe you would agree or not, but in my experience, the shit that matters that has a theme or a trend attached to it it's not that subtle. No. It's really <laughs> obvious what the signal is versus the noise. And and there's a tendency, you know, I have an OCD diagnosis from very early in childhood. There's a tendency to also go full OCD, full yeah, amulet yeah. and this. And if I just light this candle and I do this and da, 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 and you could drive yourself crazy in either direction. I think it's about that middle path. Yeah. I would say like moderation, I've always struggled with moderation, which is why I decided to 100% quit drinking because it doesn't something that works for me. But in other areas of my life, it is something I strive for is that kind of not to go to extremes because it doesn't, it takes up too, and that does take up too much space in my head, right? And I have to live, I have to, you know, I have to take care of my kids, I have to pay bills, I have to do all the normal mundane stuff of practical stuff of life. Um, and then luckily, I've got some really wonderful practices that kind of bring me back to grounded when I need to get there. And um, when I didn't have those practices, uh, I was a mess. So it's it was important to start figuring out what really worked well for me. And if I can share that, share those practices with people to give them some clarity or some groundedness, because life yeah, is life's hard. Life <laughs> is just donkey balls sometimes, but it's really it. fabulous. And so with you being like a coach, astrologer, doing this work, hosting these circles, I, I'm going to ask every practitioner this question in, yeah. in this podcast. How do you handle the sometimes subconscious, sometimes more explicit perception that you have or claim to have some kind of spiritual perfection? So like you were just saying, I have these practices that help me. But you and I both know we're always doing the work. 
Yeah. We way show and we can educate and empower clients, but we're not, we haven't nailed life because there's no yeah. nailing life. How do you navigate that? Like, how do you manage that with clients? What are some of maybe the pain points around that? Do you ever have a client who can, who wants you to give them the magic bullet, for example? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing I do that I can go back to like with coaching is, is just say, to your point, there is no magic bullet. Um, a lot of times people always think, um, if I get to, to the island where it all works out, if I just get here, then it's going to be okay. If I just get this raise, if I just do this, when I do this, when I lose weight, I can do this. And, um, and frankly, there's no island. The island is bullshit. And this is life. And all of our lives have different roadblocks in them. And we all, and I, my life is tough. I never know when I might get a call that I don't want to answer about something. And it happens, you know, somebody passed away. I've got a sick kid. I've got this. Um, so yeah, and there's no perfection. And frankly, I don't want perfection. I don't want my kids to be perfect. I don't want to be perfect. That is boring to me. Um, but when I do find that it rains, it pours, because there's definitely something to that feeling as well, is having practices, especially somatic practices for myself and writing practices to come back to. Um, those are the things that help me figure out how to get to the next part where I know it's going to, I know it's temporary. Everything is temporary. So yeah, there's, there's no, and there's no perfection. I haven't run into it too much. Sometimes in my circles where it's like people look to me for answers and I'm like, I I can't answer your life. That is for you. All I, what I do is provide a container or maybe help give some good, like, let's go down this road and see what comes up for you. And let's, yeah. but it's, it's very personal your journey is personal and um, I'm here to provide that safe space for you to go on that journey. And a lot of times people don't have safe spaces. Um, so, yeah, I love one of the things I love, especially about witchcraft practices is how in sync they are with nature. Yes. And nature is never all one thing or the other, and there's no controlling it. And there are things that happen. And so it's funny with the flower essence garden and making flower essences. I, I made this commitment. Like I wrote this list out of things I was going to do and I wasn't going to do in the flower essence work. And one of them is whatever nature gives me, that's what I use. Yes. But if nature doesn't give me something, like I don't know if I mentioned you, maybe not. The sweet peas did not flower at all this year, which is oh. wild because everything else went crazy. And I make one of the more popular flower essences out of that. Now, can I get my hands on some sweet pea flowers and order them in bulk and make flower essences? Yeah, I'm not going to do that, though, because there's always a reason. Uh, and if you work within nature and natural rhythms, and which is really what witchcraft's about, like 100%. Where we at the moon, where are we at in the year, you know, what's the first tree that's budding, et cetera. There are, there's wisdom there that you don't, my old analogy that I beat the hell out of, but I, I don't know how the watch works but i know what time it is yeah. <laughs> so the garden didn't give me that i have to on some level trust that there's a good reason for that that there's a good reason for that. yes and yeah. enough said right and i enough just think said. if our world had more of that more yeah. of that witchcraft you know corporations would be healthier they'd be more resilient maybe ceos wouldn't make as much money yeah. you know but everything else might work a little better yeah, yeah. A lot of times it's just like stopping and looking around, like noticing, like noticing yep. that the flower is budding, that like the trees are, you know, what's happening in the world around us. Um, so much of the time, especially as women, um, we're kind of forced to live in this perpetual summer. Like it's yeah, always very yang all the time. They like produce, 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 produce. And that's really not that's not in rhythm with the earth. Like the earth has seasons. Even if we live in some place like at where I'm in California, we don't have a lot of great defined seasons, but we still have seasons. And mm -hmm. that's how we're made to live a certain way. Watch the animals, they live a certain way. So we can tie, tie into that more um, and you can find your own rhythm a bit because sometimes we, like we shouldn't, our worth shouldn't be based on our production. Or our consumption, which is or consumption. the same thing, the other yes. side of that coin. Yep. Um, and I'm glad we're talking about, you know, rhythms of nature and seasons and seasonality because we have a really big uh, pagan date coming up. And to me, I've been feeling this is going to be a big one. Um, I've, I have personally, and not just because I moved to where I moved to, it's bigger than that, felt a resurgence of nature spirits, fairy activity, like it's yes. quite palpable. So the upcoming summer solstice, which isn't the 21st or 22nd. Just 21st. It can change. Yeah, it'll it'll it's the first day that um, the sun goes into Cancer. 
which can't yeah, otherwise known as midsummer it, yes. it's a big one they get together at stonehenge you know this is like a, a biggie so why don't you mention a little bit about the summer solstice midsummer what it represents and, and also maybe share your thoughts about what this year's midsummer is going to be because it feels climactic to me yeah so we also call it letha um That's and great. yeah uh so yes, the longest day of the year. And I feel this year more than I have maybe in the past is um, as a similar feeling to just this, this last full moon of spring that we had yesterday, which is celebrating what we have done so far, really <laughs> celebrating this year. And, um, you know, for me this year, personally, I've got um, my youngest is graduating eighth grade going to high school. There's some milestones. There's some um, you know, some big energy around what is coming next and um, some destiny line energy. So it's really going to be embracing that for for me and um, my family, I feel, this year. Uh, usually how we celebrate is we do usually have a fire. We do this both at Yule and at Letha, um, a little fire pit in our backyard. And we spend time writing down what we um what we're letting go of what we're releasing out into the world uh whether that's that's always negative things like for my little one for me it can be i got a kid all the way through eighth grade and i now no longer have small children i am releasing that energy out for another mother to take and do what she will with it because i have i can move on from that um and we always burn those and send all of our, our, you know, so different than intentions in a way, it's really that celebratory, like what, what has, what good has come or what, what are we ready to let go of that we've just been holding on to older ways of being and whatnot. Um, definitely this energy, when you mentioned the Fae, and I know that you've written about this recently, um, definitely been feeling that energy. Of like, the chain. Off the chain, moving stuff around. <laughs> Um, my husband just sent me a video recently. He goes, uh, my husband looks kind of like a gnome. He's got a big long beard and we, we joke called Gnomeo. Um, he was on a bike ride and he found this like gnome village in the forest, like full on. It sent me a video. I was like, oh, your people. And, um, it was just so perfect because it felt like, yes, this is, this is so wonderful and lovely that. I felt like the gnomes really lived there and the fairies and could just this whole world, this whole energy that's going on. And I felt them um, around my house in a good way because for a while there was some, yeah, yeah there was some um, kind of yucky feeling stuff going on for a while and yeah. things that would I could catch in the side of my vision that I was like, okay, I'm not alone, but I don't like this. And um, that energy feels like it has shifted a bit and um, yeah. I and embrace it. I think, it's funny, you know, I interviewed a very devout Catholic demonologist exorcist. And so they have their big hammer is JC, right? Uh. And but I was mentioning to a client just the other day that nature spirits, benevolent nature spirits, fairies can actually help crowd out negative entities as well. Sure. And people don't always think of it that way. I'm like, oh, yeah, this shit goes all the way back. Like, oh, yeah. This is. They don't really care what religion you practice so much as the fundamentals of energy are there. And with the flower essence garden and just the overwhelming presence of math, which I've interacted with her before, but never like this, there's a strange comfort of like, you can try it, I guess, negative entity. I don't think it's going to go well for you if you try and approach this house right now. And in part, it's not like a one-to-one. I certainly didn't make a deal or sign a contract figuratively or otherwise. But when you care for nature, nature cares for you. That is, um, yes, like 100% agree with respect. that. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And um, and one of my sons has been spending a lot of time in the garden. He's been growing mushrooms. And just it's been really beautiful to watch him and his give and take. Like, I'm going to put coffee grounds here and I'm doing this. And like this love that he's giving to the plants and um we kind of were talking about that. I'm like, what you're giving them, like, it's like talking to your plants. Like when I can spend a lot of time in my garden, it thrives. And um, so very much what you give is also kind of what you get back. And little inside tip, by the way, you take care of nature the way your son is and you feed birds bird seed or you go out of your way to rescue a bird or a caterpillar. It's actually a trick for abundance energy. Yeah. 
people don't I love realize that. that. Like money will get a little easier for you because the face seem to have a, a, a bit more influence over material reality. They like that exchange. Yes. So if you're feeling scarce or you're in scarcity, go scatter some birdseed. It's wild what happens. It is. That's great. I love that. So yeah. one tip, Britt, before we get to what's in the cards for you, what would you say someone who's who's curious about witchcraft or themselves is practicing in their own individual sort of private practice? What's one thing you would recommend for everybody this summer, this solstice? I mean, any any little thing that's easy to execute on? Well, any little thing would just be spending time in nature. Like like I mentioned, any little thing would be going and hugging a tree, as silly as it might feel. Um, but I would say, you know, spending spending some time even just laying on the ground. If that's all you can do is just find how to connect with the earth, because, uh, you know, that's where we come from, right? The earth provides everything that we, we need. So to your point we were saying earlier is give back and she gives to you. Like that would be like the one tip. If you're interested in in learning more, there are so many books. Um, it can be a bit overwhelming, actually. I'll um, maybe send over a couple of books that you could put in the show notes or, or whatnot that I would recommend for um, kind of beginning on the journey because it is a lot and it's a lot to take in. And having a really good sense of discernment is really important as well. Like knowing what you know, what resonates with you really and and leave it if it doesn't then leave it and move on so you know it's interesting before i pull the card for you and and sort of for the group because that's kind of the way it's been going for everybody um yeah I, it occurred to me when you said connect with the earth lay down on the ground um we all return to that as well as work we're, we're from that and i know you're doing work on being a death doula so yes. can you just summarize that a little bit this is something actually i spoke with a client earlier today who remembered you mentioning that on an Instagram live and was asking about it. So what is a death doula? What are you doing? It, it, I view it as your natural completion of the circle of life giving and embracing of life leaving. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, just like there's, uh, you know, doulas that uh, help women transition in birth to bringing life in or doulas that help people transition on their way out. Um, so that can be a multitude of things that can be helping with making sure all their paperwork is in order um, and, and then just being with that person and being with their family as well as you tr tr transition through. So it can be like an end of life coach in a way. Um, but really what it comes down to, to me is being able to make sure that that person's, um, their wishes are met to the best of my ability. So if they have a healthcare directive, um, <laughs> making sure they have a healthcare directive, making sure that, um, it could be anything. It can be as simple as running errands for that family, but it's someone that's there through that that transition time, and um, whether it can just be hand holding, um, both for the, the the person that is dying, and just being there to offer a safe place for for them to do that and know that it's natural and it's beautiful and finding the beauty in it, and being a support to those that are 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 left behind because that's how it feels, even though it's, you know it's part of that our society being a perpetual summer thing mm -hmm. i just realized too is like death's a part of this and that's when yeah it is that that full cycle god yeah we have a tough time in our society with death it's a part of our yang sickness or out of balance yang. do not want to talk about it it's a very uncomfortable thing to talk about in most circles and it's a really important thing um and you know we don't necessarily, we don't really know. We may have our beliefs about what ha what happens when we die, but we don't really know until we die, right? And um, it could be the the next greatest adventure. Um, I would hope that it is, but it, do it doesn't feel like for me, my in my belief system is it's not the end. Your soul goes on somewhere that you, you know, you come back again. There's, there's more to it than what happened in this life. And, you know, people transition out when they're really young, they transition out some when they're really old. And um, being a part of that journey, um, I believe I have something to offer in that space that um, I want to I want to explore more and have been exploring a bit. Yeah, it's probably not for everyone. It's big emotions. It's a lot of psychological shadow work. It's yes. a lot. So it's awesome that you're doing that and offering that to people. Well, thank you. I am. Um, I. Uh, 
it just feels like that's that's one of those things being open to callings or being open to things when they keep knocking on your door, like finally like, okay, <laughs> I'm listening I now. You. I hear you. Okay. <laughs> you know, and for some of my friends, they're like, you know, it's come up now, even though I'm not officially a death doula, I've just been starting to do this, um, explore this more um, that have had need of gone through some some things that have been like, I'm really glad that you're doing this. And and it's not about fixing anything because you can't fix that. It's just allowing to just be there and, um, you know, hold hands sometimes. And that's all mm-hmm. that's all that's really needed sometimes, which can be similar in just regular coaching too. Sometimes you just need to sit there and hold hands and let somebody figure it out, um, create that space yeah, for them I'm to do that. I'm not that good at that, by the way. <laughs> so, so fun fact, uh, the totem coaching program. <laughs> no, it's true. If a client was like, getting upset or so they'd be like okay so just so you know this because of your dominant chakra and here are some things to do and here's a snack to eat and here's a flower essence um yeah because i i like i like to fix it's yeah. a real addiction I'm yeah working on that. i've uh been working on that one too and realizing that it's not my job to fix everything that that's hard it just always felt like it's my job i grew up being the peacekeeper and the mediator and the harmonizer and and all of those things and um it's been an interesting journey to let that go. Um, even within my own family, like you, okay, you get to make that choice. I, I don't think it's a good one, but you know, you do the, you do what you think is right in this and let's see what happens. Intense. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and pull your card. If that's cool. cool. I am ready. The Totem Tarot deck, our sponsors here <laughs> at the Skeptical Shaman Podcast. We really are going to record funny fake commercials. I love it. Because I can't not do it. I'm such a smartass. Right. So let's go ahead. Did Did you have any question, Britt, or do you want to just see kind of what comes up? I just want to see what comes up. Oh, I like this a lot. I actually, and it's rare that I get emotional. I know people think I have Asperger's. I don't. I'm quite sensitive, but I'm just in that demonstrative. It's the Earl King card, our I got- version of the Emperor card. I got that card like two days ago and it was the first time that I had pulled it and I was, yeah, I was, emo- I was touched. I was emotional about it and I got it in a way organically. It, it flew out. It wanted to be seen. I haven't pulled this card in a while. And just so, so everybody knows, cause this is, I wanted it to be an audio only podcast. It shows a big rack of antlers. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> perfect. Mistakeable. <laughs> And they're the antlers of like a large stag. So the Earl King was this pagan figure that helped manage the ecosystems and habitats and protect nature and protect the fairy realm and, and all of that work. But it's also um, a card of hunters. and of The wild hunts. Yeah. And people who manage like who kills what, when, why, and facing that sort of brutal truth of life eats life, but we have yeah. to do it in balance. Right. And I think in our society, everybody kind of wants all the things with no trade-offs and you just, you can't have just no wildlife management at all. Uh, And, and all kinds of other problems happen that aren't that kind or compassionate to the animals and living creatures. And the idea of a figure creating the structure and enforcing rules being not a sin eater, but like a nature version of that. Like, you know, I'll step up and do the hard right thing. So everything's cool here. Yeah. Really do think that this is, you know, your father's energy is around you. Um, It's not a mediumship session, Britt, but I think that's uncanny of 78 cards to get that on. That's interesting. Yeah. He, uh, he definitely hangs out. Um, You know, one of the questions that we had kind of talked about, like, um, when did you like this is you know prior to to meeting was when did you know that this was real right and that's um and the only when I could think of this is was when I was seventeen and um I was driving and I was driving the road that my father died on and um and I was pushing it and I was driving really fast and uh, I took a turn that I just knew like that's it I'm going off the road like this is it like I've pushed it too far and somehow my car defying physics ended up back on the right side of the road. And I pulled over um, and I literally sat there and I just, I said, all right, thanks, dad. And it was very, very, very clear to me of what had just happened because it defied all reality. And that was the moment that I really think I knew like, okay, I'm not alone. They're like this, 
there is something to this world outside of what is tangible. Yeah, it's funny too, because everyone you talk to, Britt, whether they're a practitioner or not, everybody has at least one, if not five or 10 or 20 of these stories. And yet there's this ongoing unspoken judgment of woo people that we're all kind of silly or we <laughs> want to tell ourselves fairy tales or we're weak-minded or you know what I mean? Like something yeah. like that. And it's just not the case. You know, if anything, you know, the reason I like the word skeptical and it's in the podcast title is you have to use discernment. And yeah. if you attack something from like you straw man it instead of steel man it in your own head and it's still standing that's something you need to look at and take with you. You just had a spiritual experience. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So and there are more things in, in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt <laughs> of in your philosophy. It's a little Shakespeare quote. See, I went to school. There's, you're <laughs> rattling around in there somewhere behind all the THC resin and everything else. But yeah, I, I love this. I love the Earl King card for you. And the other thing I like about this card and your story is this is very protective energy. Um, and so yeah. you are like protected. And I just wrote about boundaries. Boundaries. Structure gives us freedom. And knowing that you've got, for want of a better way of putting it, a protection guide is a really powerful thing for your sense of freedom and safety. Yes. Less shit to worry about, Britt. Uh, well, thank you so much. That was. Thank you too. So uh, we'll put your all your links in the show notes. Everybody, reach out to Britt. I send clients to Britt to have their astrology charts done, other things. She's got a unique, unique set of skills. And thanks for joining. Happy belated full moon. Happy belated full moon. Happy early solstice.